Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. And they're looking at them, and they were cheering, but they looked and they go, Jesus! And they began to pull on Jesus in another direction. They said, Jesus! You need to rebuke those people. And Jesus, instead of answering them and and knowing that uh, he should try to please these uh, uh, higher level of of Jews, if you would say, instead of looking at them and being appeasing them, he looked at them and he says, listen, let me tell you something. If I make these people be quiet, the rocks will cry out in praise. See, Jesus understood that they were praising him, but he knew that they wanted something else but he was going to give them something that they needed come on somebody so what we have to ask ourselves is how do we keep our head when everybody else is losing theirs now it's a metaphoric and a question that deserves this and let me explain that to you saints it is this your head is what gives you identity there's a thing that they're doing now called facial recognition. If you have an iPhone 10, it could recognize you by your face. Your face is on your head. The Bible tells us this, that the head of Christ is God the Father. The head of the church is Christ. So we need to understand that we need to keep our heads to keep our identities. So that like the Bible says, when Paul said to be found in Christ, We need to be found in Christ, our identity. So there's so many people right now that are cheering on uh, different people. They may be cheering you on, but they're losing their head. There's people right now losing their head. They're losing their identity because they haven't kept their head. And the head of the church is Jesus Christ. So today I want to talk to you about keeping your identity. I'm going to talk to you about your identity crisis. I know there was a week or two ago when I preached about in a crisis, Christ is. Well, guess what? In an identity crisis, Christ is. So you're going to ask me, Pastor John, how do I protect my identity during times like this? I want to help you. I'm going to give you three reasons or three ways to keep your identity and not to lose your head when other people are losing their head. Three ways. The first way is this. The first thing you want to do is protect your identity. You need to stay focused under fire. See, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples, I tell you. He replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Jesus wouldn't allow the crowd and the critics to pull him left or right. He understood his mission. Let me tell you something. There's this old folktale, comes back from the Greek times of this man And he was able, he had this special power, he was able to change shape and change form into anything he wanted. And he was a trickster. And what he would do is he changed himself into a form of a woman or a tree or a bird or a dog, even changed himself into a form of a chair. And he always kept changing into different things to fit what he wanted to do during that time. But as the story goes on, he had changed so much that he forgot what he looked like to change back into himself. Do you get that? So many of us people are just like that. We're so busy changing who we are for different people in different times, in different situations, that when it comes time to be ourselves, we don't even know who we are. See, people are either following the critics or they're following the crowd instead of following the way of the cross. 
See, there's this superhero, and some of you guys may know who this dude is. His name is Mr. Fantastic. Now, for you Marvel Universe guys, you know about Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic possesses this power, and what he's able to do is he's able to stretch to, to certain distances. He can stretch and contort his body. He can be stretched all the way out, but his power is that after he's stretched, his power isn't really the stretching. His power is to be able to turn back into what he was before he was stretched. Listen, saints, when you allow yourself to be pulled from different directions by people, you won't bounce back like Mr. Fantastic. You don't have those superpowers. See, you know why? Because the worst disease out there is the disease to please. Because it leaves you in an absolute mess. It stretches you out, bends you all out of shape. You won't even recognize yourself. None of us are Mr. Fantastic and none of us will bounce back after allowing the crowds and the critics to stress us out. You have to realize that Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew that when he was on that way into Jerusalem on that donkey, that listen, he's not going to allow the crowd's cheers or he's not going to allow the critics' jeers to keep him from the way that he was going. And the way that he was going was the way of the cross. See, the disease to please is worse than COVID-19. It's a disease that can infect anybody, and it's a disease that will kill and destroy your plan, your purpose, and direction that God has for you in your life. Watch this, Galatians chapter 1 and 10. And it reads this, and now, I am now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Wow. What the Apostle Paul is saying here is, if you are a people pleaser, you aren't going to do well as a Christian. Why? I'm glad you asked. Because being a Christian is countercultural. It's radically different. It's a completely different lifestyle. As a Christian, everybody isn't going to like you. Why? Because you stand up for truth. Not the world's truth, but you stand up for God's truth. And everybody that cheers you on later on is going to yell, crucify you. That's a hard cross to bear, saints. It's sometimes those same people that are cheering you on, those same people that are loving you, and those same people because you're doing what they want you to do later on, they're going to say crucify him. Listen, saints. That is a hard cross to bear, but we can't have a Christ without a cross, and we can't have Christianity without a cross. That's why Easter is so important to us. The cross isn't just something that Jesus died on. The cross is something that we're attached to. Yes, I'm going to say that again. The cross isn't just something Jesus died on. The cross is something that we as Christians are attached to. That's why Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 2 and 20, I have been crucified with Christ. See, we always look at Jesus being on the cross, but we need to start seeing that we're along there with him. If you would read with me, and, and we're not going to go there, but we're going to go through this, saints. When we read Luke chapter 4, 1 through 13, we see that there are three attacks on Jesus, on Jesus's identity by Satan. 
We think that we're the only ones being attacked in our identity because the world is telling us to be this way. The world's telling us to be that way. But do you realize there are some personal attacks on your identity and we need to learn how to recognize them? Jesus himself went through these three attacks. I'm going to talk about these three temptations that the enemy, or I should say these three temptations that the crowds and the critics use to try to steal your identity. And I believe that these are in effect today that Satan is still using the crowds and the critics to try to change who you are. Here goes the first temptation. That's the temptation of I am what I do. That's the temptation of performance. Luke chapter 4 verse 3 said this, and the devil said unto him, being Jesus, if you are the son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Now listen, Jesus at this time had apparently done nothing for 30 years. He had not yet begun his ministry. He seemed like a loser. Nobody believed in him, not even a lot of his family and people from his hometown. He was hungry because he fasted for 40 days and he had not even made a contribution to the world at this time. Saints of God, our culture is asking us the same question today. What have you achieved? What have you done? What person or, or, or people have you impacted? That's the thing. I hear young people all the time. I want to make an impact on the world. See, we don't find our identity in what we do. We have to find our identity in who we belong to. It's not about a performance-based relationship with God. People look at you and say, have you demonstrated your usefulness in this community? What do you do? Most of us only consider ourselves worthwhile if we have scored enough points in the game of life, in work, in family, in school, in relationships. We move harder and harder and faster and faster to try to perform and to do things, and we end up in depression when we don't ever reach the goals because every time we don't perform, we feel like we fall short. I, I see so many children today that are let down because they feel that a relationship is performance-based. I got to perform to, for somebody to love me. We need to realize that our identity comes in Christ. God loves us whether we perform or not. We are his children. We don't have to do something good for him to be pleased with us. One of the hardest things with that, too, is when we don't perform, sometimes we get shame in our lives and we feel less than and we'll miss out on very important relationships. And even worse, sometimes when we don't perform, we like to blame other people that we're not performing. The second temptation that I believe the crowds and the critics do. That second temptation is I am what I have. These are possessions. Luke chapter 4, 5, and 6 says, And the devil, taking him up to a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. The devil basically looked at him and said, Listen, I'm, everything you see here, I'm going to give you. You're going to have many possessions. You're going to have everything you want. See, the devil played on a profound issue of fear and the source of, of people's security when he tries to tell you, look, you're nothing without owning something. Our, in our world today, many of us here believe that we aren't significant, that we aren't anything unless we own a house, unless we own a nice car, unless we have nice furniture and have the latest shoes. It's all about what we possess that we find our identity in. That is a lie and a trick from the devil, but the crowds and the critics will say that to you. 
The crowds will look at you when you dress nice and they go, that person is something. But if let you have on a pair of shoes that aren't name brand, then the critics go, the shoes are nice, but the critics said, but they're not name brand. He isn't anybody. We have to come to this understanding, saints. We are not identified by what we possess, but we are identified by what or who possesses us. We are not identified by what we possess, but we are identified by what or who possesses us. Let me just give you a quick story, a couple of things in the Bible where it says in Acts, and he says, and they were all together and they had everything in common and they sold their possessions. They sold their possessions. Then there was another guy, his name was the rich young ruler, and we all know about the rich young ruler, and he went to Jesus, and he had followed all the laws, and Jesus looked at him, and he says, listen, take everything you possess, sell it, and then give the money to the poor. Take everything, he said, take all your possessions, take all your possessions, sell it, and give the money to the poor. And it goes on to say that he went away sad because he couldn't do it. Why couldn't he sell his possessions because he didn't have the possessions the possessions had him we say when an unclean spirit enters into a man we call him possessed which means it's what's in him is controlling him see there's nothing wrong with having things the problem is letting things have you that's why Jesus said sell your possessions sell the things that you deem important sell the things in your life get rid of those things in your life that are trying to identify you or you're trying to be identified in it may be a house it may be a car it may even be your job there's some things that you may have to sacrifice to find yourself again those things in life are not what identify you it's your father in heaven that identifies you not what you possess and the temptation number three that we suffer from that I believe Satan is using with the crowd and the critics is this. I am what others think. It's the temptation of popularity. Luke chapter four, verse nine through 11. And it says this. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, if thou be the son of God, Cast thyself down from hence, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Satan offered Jesus the opportunity to prove to others who he was. So many of us fall victim to this. Listen, many of us place a higher value on what other people think of us than what we think of ourselves. So many of us are so busy trying to please other people so that they'll like you that you're not even doing anything that you like for yourself. You ain't got to say amen. Just pat yourself on the lap right where you sit and say, he's talking to me. Pastor, you talking to me. We all the times, a lot of times say things like this. What should I do in this situation? I don't want to make this person mad or, or I don't want to offend them, so I'm not going to say this. This is... People pleasing. Saints of God, here goes one. I bet you never recognize this. Has anybody ever gave you the opportunity to prove you're a Christian? I'm not saying that in a good way. Because people look at you and say, so, well, if you was Christian, 
You would give to this person. If you was Christian, you wouldn't be mad. If you was Christian, you would know what love is. If you was Christian, that's a, that is an opportunity from the crowd and the critics to try to get you to prove that you're a Christian. I don't have to prove to you that I'm a Christian. What the Bible tells me to prove that I'm a Christian is, is that they will know me by the way I love on my brothers and my sisters. And they're going to have to watch that from afar. Jesus knew who his identity was. He knew it wasn't his performance. He knew it wasn't in his possessions. And he knew it wasn't in his popularity. His identity was secured when we read Matthew chapter 3. Now listen very carefully. In this chapter, Jesus had yet to perform any miracles. He didn't possess anything at the time. And he definitely wasn't popular. So he goes out and he finds John the Baptist and he tells John the Baptist, listen, I need you to baptize me. And John the Baptist says, no, I'm not even worthy to, to strap your sandals up. And Jesus said, no, I got to be obedient. I need you to baptize me. So right as Jesus was baptized and he comes up out of the water, Matthew chapter 3 and 17 says this, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Let me say that again. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in who I am well pleased. I need you to understand something. Up until this point, he didn't own nothing. God was still pleased. God still called him a son. He never um, pr produced or performed any miracles at this time, but God still loved him. He still was a son. He wasn't even popular at the time, but God still loved him. God still called him a son. Do you understand that God still loves you? He still calls you son and daughter, no matter what you perform, no matter what you possess, and no matter your popularity. Your identity is found in your sonship. Your identity is found in being a weos. Your identity is found found in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus' identity was secured in being a son. So when the crowds and the critics tried to stretch him, he would not move from his destiny to the cross. Amen. So those are the three things. Those are the three temptations. It's, it's, it's popularity. It's possession. And it's producing. Be, be, be on the lookout for them. So let me go to the second thing that we got to do to keep our heads while everybody else is losing there. The second thing that we need to do to keep from having an identity crisis is this. We need to focus on humility. Focus on humility. Listen, this life of a Christian life is not about you. Everything you do and everything you try to achieve is not about you. It's about others. Now, I'm not talking about pleasing others. It's about denying yourself, picking up your cross daily and following Christ. It's about pleasing God. Second Chronicles 16 and 9. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Do you understand? God isn't interested in people that have all the Facebook likes or all the Instagram followers. Do you guys hear me? There's so many people right now that are, are deemed famous just by the number of followers that they have. If they have a, a million followers, then that means that we must listen to them. And, and so many of us are sitting there thinking that if I get uh, uh, 2,000 friends on Facebook or if I get 3,000 friends on Instagram or if I get 1,000 likes on TikTok or so many followers, then 
I'll be popular and, and then I'll have things because I'll get monetized and I'll get money. And, and all of us are searching for that, that um, internet uh, stardom. But saints of God, God is not interested in how many followers you have. God is looking for a humble heart who can ignore the critics, they can ignore the crowds and go the way of the cross. He wants a person that's going to live a crucified life, a life of self-denial. And that's not popular in today's culture, saints. The culture wants a Mr. Fantastic. The culture wants a person that they can stretch and manipulate into what they want. We live in a world today that celebrities and politicians are so popular that they have become experts on what is right and what's wrong. We want to listen to somebody because of their popularity. Or we want to listen to people because they own things. We want to listen to people because of what they've done. But we don't listen to the people that have sold their lives out to Christ. We listen to these people. Listen, saints of God, we also live in a day where there are pastors that want to be so popular that they become the errands of our time. You know, the Bible says this. The Bible says, that, you know, we get so mad at false prophets. I don't understand why we talk about false prophets because the Bible says it's the people that heap up for themselves false prophets. If the people weren't looking for a person to worship, there wouldn't be any people to worship. If people weren't looking for somebody to be a stretch Armstrong, really what they're looking for is a sacrifice to put up there that they can blame on what's right and what's wrong. They're looking for a person that will give them permission to continue to break the laws of God or try to manipulate the laws of God to feel good in their sin. I'm going to talk about Aaron, and let me explain in Exodus chapter 31. Uh, uh, you know, you guys know Aaron. Aaron was the mouthpiece for Moses. Aaron was next to Moses when he spoke to Pharaoh. Aaron walked with Moses through every plague and through every miracle. Aaron was right there because Moses couldn't talk. Aaron had to speak for him. So Aaron saw all the miracles of God. I hope you're hearing me. So Aaron was the priest. He was the high priest. He was the chief priest. He was the man in charge. He was second unto Moses. Moses went up on top of the mountain to be with the Lord and receive laws from the Lord. And while Moses was gone, while the man of God was gone, Aaron was down and the people began to complain and say, Moses, where is brother Moses? Listen, Moses isn't here, so we don't have a God to worship. And they began, the crowds began to say to Aaron, you need to make us a God so that we can worship. The critics were saying, look, Moses ain't coming back. And Aaron turned into Pastor Fanta Mr. Fantastic and allowed the crowds to stretch him one way, allowed the critics to stretch him another way. He forgot who he was. He forgot who he served. And Aaron told the people, pull the golden earrings out of your ears, go get all your gold. And he fashioned for them by his own hand a golden calf and then called the people to make sacrifices to the golden calf. That's what we have today. When we have pastors and people of God that are allowing themselves to be stretched by the people and be stretched by the crowds and be stretched by the critics, that they start preaching something that is not of God. 
Saying to God, we have to be careful of who we're heaping up for ourselves. We need to learn how to accept the truth of God. We need to learn how to understand that the Bible is the only morality that we listen to. The Bible will never change. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if a man preaches the Bible, the unadulterated word of God, no matter how much it hurts, no matter how much it goes against the, the culture of today, you better listen to the word of God instead of listening to what other men are saying. Amen. God is looking for a people that are committed to him. People that aren't moved by the hype and the shouts of the crowds and the critics. As I begin to explain this, I want you to see a picture of a Roman triumph. And I want you to picture the Roman triumph to Jesus as he was going down into Jerusalem on this day that we celebrate as Palm Sunday. The Roman triumph was a time when a general or a king had went out and conquered his enemies. And as he conquered his enemies, they would bring him back in to the city through a certain gate. There was only one gate that they would bring him into. And I think I had a picture. I'm not sure if we had that picture. But as he came in, they would ride him either on top of a chariot or on top of a huge stallion. And as he came in on that stallion or on that chariot, they'd put a red or scarlet uh, cloak on him and they would put upon his head a wreath of of being a champion or a king and as they brought him in people celebrated and you kind of remember when when David and Saul came in the city and they began to sing and and dance and shout that Saul had killed thousands but David had killed ten thousands it's the same way that in the Roman Roman triumph they bring the king in that has saved the country and they're cheering him on and as they cheered him on that they, they they're sometimes they would have a man stand up there if it, if it wasn't the, if it wasn't the king if it was a general they'd have a slave stand there in his ear and he would say to him as they were bringing him in the people were cheering him on he would say in his ear you are only a man you are only a man and see i believe sometimes that what god's doing that to us when people are trying to celebrate us the holy spirit is in our ear saying listen you're not only, you're only a man you're only a man but we look at jesus as he was coming in he didn't was he was being it was his his walk of triumph. He didn't come in on a giant stallion. He didn't come in on a great big chariot. And as he came in, he came in humbly. He came in different than everybody expected. That's why nobody, a lot of people didn't believe that he was going to be the savior, not just of the Jews, but of this whole world. Zechariah 9 and 9 after actually prophesied. He says, see your king comes to you righteous and victorious, but lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. Saints of God, Jesus didn't just come to rule. He, he was already king. He didn't come to try to make everybody understand he was king. He was already king. He came in humility as a servant. If you want to keep your identity, you don't want to get into an identity crisis, you have to become a servant of God. Matthew 20 24 and 28 says this, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the ruler of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you, Christians. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be the servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to observe, I mean, come to be served, but he to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. 
Jesus came in humility. What he's saying is in order to help keep your identity crisis, that when you serve, you come, you serve not for yourselves, but you serve for others. And the third and final thing, as I bring this to a close, the third thing you must do to keep from losing your head while everybody else is losing their head, the third thing that you must do to not have an identity crisis is guard your destiny. Guard your destiny. You have to keep your calling in the crowd. Hebrews chapter 12 and 2 says this, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Saints of God, Jesus came, and what kept him humble, what kept his, his, his focus on the crowd was his destiny. You know, the Bible says, write your vision down. Make it plain. Write it upon the tablets and tables so they that read it can run with it. You know, when you are walking and trying to keep who you are, when you're trying to, to lose your identity, sometimes you need to go back and read it. And understand for some things that you're suffering because people don't like you because you're a follower of Christ. You can't sit down and think about the moment. You have to do like Jesus did. And it says, for the joy that was set before him. It was his destiny. He knew what his destiny was. And he wasn't worried about what he was going through at the time. He understood that the crowds and the critics, that the crowds will be cheering and they want one thing. They think they're cheering me on for one thing. But when I break the news to them, they're going to be upset. And then they're going to say, crucify me. And the critics the whole time didn't like me. They're going to sit down and tell me how I need to be doing things. But instead of keeping my eye on the crowds, instead of keeping my eye on the critics, I'm going to keep my eye on the way of the cross. Because with the cross, there is victory. Saints of God, I'm telling you today that you need to keep your eye on Jesus Christ. The head. He is the head of the church. He is the head of you. In him, you live and move and have your being. Don't worry about the shame. Don't worry about everything. What it says, just like Jesus, he endured the cross. And now he is set down at the right hand of God. In Galatians chapter 2 and 20 says this. This is how we know who our identity is. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And this life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am identified with Christ. I am a child of God. It's not based on my performance. It's not based on what I produce. It's not based on what I possess. It's based on what God says I am. Saints of God, you got to be just like Jesus as you're walking into your Jerusalem, as you are walking in that way of the cross. Don't be pulled by the way of the crowd or the critics. you got to remember and keep your eye on your destiny. Keep your eye on what this is all about. It's not all about you. It's about denying yourself, picking up your cross daily, and following Jesus Christ. God's saying to you today, don't lose your head when everybody else is. Don't lose your head with this coronavirus and, and sit down and thinking that Jesus is going to come save you from, from, from the Democrats, that, that Jesus Christ is going to save you from the Republicans, that Jesus Christ is going to save you 
from, from the COVID-19 or save you from the flu or from cancer or from any heart disease. Jesus Christ came to save you from your sin. He came to save you from an eternal death. He came to save you from the judgment of God, which we all deserve. But his love has triumphed over his judgment through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you will just accept him today as your Lord and Savior, you too will take on this new identity. You too could be identified with the Christ, with Christ upon the cross. You too can live this new life. God loves you. You're a child of God. And the Lord wants me to remind you of something. Thank you, Jesus. He told me to tell you this. Everybody on this earth is God's child. You're God's child from creation. But today he offers you to be his child in redemption. Will you give your life to Christ today? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you right now. And for those that are out there hearing today, Lord, the words and they're convicted or pricked in their heart and they say, what must I do to be saved? Lord, I thank you right now that you will touch them right where they at, Lord as they repent of their sin and they say, Lord, come into my heart. I repent of my sins. I repent of doing things my way. I want to do things your way. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. I want to be identified with you on the cross. It was my death. I, should have, I deserved it. I should have been me. But you took my place. So now I will give my life to you. I thank you for this. Jesus name you guys saints God bless you until we meet again I love you I thank you just pray with me as I, I pray you out Heavenly Father we thank you right now for this word that we heard we will hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you Lord we thank you as we leave from wherever our places is online as we leave our homes which we probably shouldn't but as we go out and do our necessary things Lord I ask for protection that you said no weapon formed against us shall prosper in any mouth that rises up against us, you said that you will condemn. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all these things. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. La gracias del Señor Jesucristo, el amor de Dios y la comunión de Espíritu Santo sean con todos vosotros. Amen. God bless you. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.